Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. Today we have our guest, Superintendent Dr. Jonathan Crossley from Hope Public Schools in Hope, Arkansas, Kentucky. Dr. Crossley is one of those superintendents who is all about making a difference in the lives of his students, teachers, families, and the community. Hope Public Schools recently received a $15 million grant for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math in his district. An incredible testament to him and his team, and one of only 19 such awards in the nation. Hope Arkansas is no stranger to amazing people. It's the birthplace and boyhood home to President Clinton, current Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and former Arkansas Governor Mark Huckabee, and the current Secretary of State for California, Shirley Weber, the first African-American Secretary of State in California, was born and raised in Hope. An incredible podcast with an incredible leader, Dr. Jonathan Crossley. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linovers, the Vice President of Plexus Foundation. And today we have Dr. Jonathan Crossley, Superintendent of Hope Public Schools in Hope, Arkansas. And as, as you told me right before this, 30 minutes, was it east or northeast of Texarkana? That's exactly right. That's, I mean, you're, you're close to what oklahoma texas arkansas that little trifecta right there the arklatex we affectionately call it arkansas <laughs> texas louisiana we're right there in the triangle i love that <laughs> that that's such a great way to put it <laughs> yeah you know i had a great podcast with skipper ward down the street from you you've probably met him before from magnolia schools Not well, i know too- skipper quite well he's he's a good interview i'm sure i haven't seen far away good yeah, he was fun. I think he was in September a few months ago. Uh, but yeah, great, great superintendent. Really fun to talk to. And, you know, I, I was really glad that you wanted to join. And as I was kind of digging in, I love to do a little bit of research and find out different things about the area. And I know we we're chatting about this beforehand, but you, Hope has had some significant leaders, presidents, governors, the Secretary of State of California have been born and raised in Hope. It's a, it's a pretty incredible little community. Have you found that since you've gotten there? I have. There's tons of uh, nostalgia and pride around uh, alumni that we've had from, from Hope Public Schools, and we want to return to that level of excellence that is always talked about in the, in the past. So when you have alumni who've gone off and done wonderful things, they're always, they always carry a bit of hope with them. So it's really easy to connect <laughs> with them about um, moving hope to the next, to the next generation. So I love those alumni. We even have federal judges who are, who are from, from Hope Arkansas. So it's a 10,000 person town with tons of talent and reach uh, in our society. I mean, it is really neat that it has that into it. There's a there's a school district up in um, Pikeville, Kentucky, Pike County, and the governor's from there and a bunch of people, kind of like Hope, one of those little towns mm-hmm. that just has that kind of engagement. And it's fun to run across this in the different states and and really to for you to be part of that history now, a pretty incredible story. And, um, you know, think speaking of stories. Uh, when you look at your background and your journey to become a superintendent, was it purposeful? Was it accidental? Was it guided? How did you end up in this role and what, what keeps you inspired? Yeah, this is a great question. I would say it's a little bit of both. So when I was my first generation college graduate, and for me, that that means a great deal, right? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have that as a reality, but I've really internalized that over the years. And so uh 
when I was graduating from from college, I was thinking, am I going to the next next phase of being a lawyer? I thought being an attorney was what it meant to be successful to graduate from a four year institution and have a kind of a professional career. I wanted, however, to do public defense and I worked for the Southern Poverty Law Center and, and had it all figured out that that was my my goal. Right. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and then as I was getting yeah. closer to the situation. I had somebody look at me and say, hey, what you really want to do is be an educator, be a teacher. Because I was always talking about mentoring students and providing equitable uh, educational outcomes for kids. So they talked me into mm. applying for the Teach for America program. And mm-hmm. I got in when I was a senior interning in Washington, D.C. for um, Attorney General Holder. Uh, got got that job, got the 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 teacher job moved across the country from South Carolina to Arkansas uh, and and landed in Palestine Wheatley, which is a, a small 700 and I think 41 people in that town at that time um, had tremendous success teaching high school, English, public speaking, drama, coach basketball, had a chance to do a little bit of everything and just fell in love with the process, fell in love with the difference that, that I can make and just kind of kept going down that path. Uh, that's an amazing. So are you born and raised South Carolina? Is that I am Gaffney, South Carolina, which is about 45 minutes South of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm a fourth generation cotton mill man. So I've worked in the cotton mills myself, my dad, grandfather, and, and his father before him was a farmer. So I guess technically a third generation cotton mill man, but, um, I don't know. I just, the the idea of hard work. Yeah. I mean, the idea of hard work and, and yeah, Rolling your sleeves up has been something that has been instilled in me from an early age with my father and my mother just loved people. Right. I mean, my earliest memories of my mother <laughs> is, is taking care of my grandmother, you know, uh, buying her a washing machine from Sears and, you know, paying it off over the course of three or four years just to take care, just take care of my grandmother. Um, she was a daycare worker and then became a daycare director. So we would go early to the daycare. I would watch her take care of two, three, four year old children while I was waiting to go to school at 615, 630 in the morning. And that never left me. The idea of giving back and taking care um, of children and, and the next generation just kind of stuck with me. And um, I was blessed uh, to get a, a teaching position in Palestine Wheatley and had a lot of success. So I think one of the things that is interesting. Yeah. Um, I was actually the statewide teacher of the year a few years back, 2014, I think it was. We had the most growth of any students in high school English. So because of, because of all that, we um, I got placed on the State Board of Education. So Okay, okay. Which is really cool, right? And, and got a chance to see yeah. the education politics up close. And there's some really awesome things about that and some really – not so great things about that, but seeing those conversations up close, being a part of those conversations from time to time, let me see. I wanted to expand my impact. So became a principal uh, in Little Rock School District, uh, which expanded my impact and expanded my mission toward educational equity for all kids. And then became right. a, an assistant superintendent in the Pine Bluff School District. And and here I am in Hope, Arkansas, um, home of the Bobcats. So it's it's there's there's obviously specific things in between all those and stories to tell, but just really blessed uh, in my career so far. You know, that's, it's awesome to hear that, that journey teaching and success and your drive to keep that moving forward. Cause it, it's helpful in all the conversations I've had. And what I've seen is 
when the superintendents are striving as they get to become superintendents, it really helps the district strive. It helps inspire people around them. And it really keeps you on the ground of going, okay, I remember being there. I remember this. I was there. And that, that speaks volumes to teachers, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that you're rolling your, your sleeves up and you've, you've either done it or you're doing it presently means a lot. And we don't always get it right. I make tons of mistakes every day, I'm sure. But, it's, right. about, but it's about getting better every single day and acknowledging where you can uh, make adjustments. And yeah. I think that's all people really want, right? In a leader is someone to be you know, visionary, which is what I try to be and, and see around that corner and see what's going on, whether it's state or, or local uh, education politics and and where we need to go, but being specific enough in the current context to get the job done. And I always say there's a, a phrase I use and and overuse sometimes. <laughs> if I haven't told you recently, I love you, right? And so that's that's something that people don't always hear, right? And and that's hard sometimes because your actions and words have to match. And that's just a perpetual <laughs> work through to make sure your actions and your words match with how you're taking care of your people. So, but it's it's a great challenge. You know, I love the. Uh, look at me. I love. I'm saying, I love that you say that. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I mean this sincerely. I, <laughs> I had a mentor for many years. He was twice my age. He he used to give me a hug, say I love you every time we had breakfast or lunch, and mm-hmm. you know, it meant a lot to me just to hear that. And you're right. And we people are very loved, and you know, you other superintendents I've talked to have said that, like, I love my team. I love my students. I love my parents and my community. And to be in your role and know that you love those people around you has got to make it even more fun for you to build partnerships and to look at community engagement and that stuff too. Do you find that to be true? I do. So when I wake up every day, I love my job. I love being in the community, going after uh, really complex problems and, and complex issues. And as I mentioned before, you don't always get it right, but it's it's you're working mm-hmm. through things to be more and more perfect. So I'll give you a prime example. We, we secured a $15 million magnet grant for expanded opportunities for kids, right? So we're trying to uh, have kids graduate from high school within the next five years with a value-added diploma. So they'll also have a professional skill trade certificate or an associate's degree or college hours, right? And on the back end of that, we've also started an educational foundation that's raised around $330,000 right now, but we're trying to get to around $2 million by Christmas and $5 million the year after that for this endowment so that we can guarantee nest egg scholarship money for our students in need after they graduate. Um, and so there's that side of the house and then expanding opportunities like, uh, you know, science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics, like and robotics. Yeah. Uh, and, and within the arts, we have a, a wonderful history and band already, but other performing arts areas we've not really leaned into. So drama, mm. visual arts, um, even in, to some, to many degree, to, to much of a degree, broadcast journalism is something that we haven't focused on that we can focus on uh, from a student perspective, because media in our area has become smaller and smaller, and we want to expand that out with yeah. a school district leading the way. Um, so I mean, we have this vision. Well, I like leading. that. Yeah, it's a cool idea. It's a cool concept. And but none of this happens if you don't have teachers and administrators who are following through and making it making it happen. So, you know, the process can be long and arduous and, and, and 
with all the $15 million and staff members and new programs and everything, you don't want to have implementation fatigue. You don't want to uh, misstep, right. <laughs> but you do sometimes, right? And you just, it's just part of it. That's right. <laughs> but it's how we react uh, after that that matters. And uh, yeah. that's where the rubber meets the road with uh, yeah. loving your staff members, loving your employees and, and um, just doing the best you can every day. Because we're human too. I mean, superintendents are human too. I made, I mean, just today, I think there's, oh, yeah. there's three or four things that I wish I'd have done differently just today, you know, and, there, <laughs> and there's probably more when I reflect on it, when I go to bed at night that I wish I would have done differently. But if I'm not thinking, if a leader isn't thinking that way about ways to get better, then I think stagnation can really settle in. That's true. That's true. And your colleagues around you who support you. And I know all those amazing other superintendents out there who, who are in a similar role, who can talk to each other and, and just kind of hear it out. And, you know, it made me think of your time when you were working with the state when you were um, teacher of the year, right? Yeah. Um, like witnessing those conversations for the first time around the table of the state must have been a, a pretty wild experience. Yeah, it was because they're they're very high level conversations about school districts and and even the federal educational space that you just never have had access to. So it's one thing to have an opinion about uh, another school district, another community or or other parts of the country without having up close personal interactions with those stakeholders. And once you do and you see how right. this is made on a state level, it. It, it really made me internalize it to want to make a, a positive change because what I saw was that there are certain people that when they speak, they are really heard. Right. And sometimes that's based off positional power. Sometimes it's based off of just general influence. Sometimes it's based off of money, you know, who has money in the yeah. room and uh, just understanding all those dynamics, I think is important for someone in education as they go through their career and they want to be a superintendent or, or other positions like that, because you have to understand that in order to make the influence you want to make. And um, so that's that's what got me going, uh, even in the, the political angle of it all, because I generally care yeah. about politics, I would say, generally speaking, I would follow it. And I was a political science major in college even. So it's, it's an interesting topic for me. But when you're you see the education politics is in some ways, it's a different animal. There's some similarities, but in other ways, it's a different animal. That's true. That's true. I, every time I haven't experienced something like you talk about, it helps me ask questions that I may not be seeing the answers to just to see what people are thinking. It must have given you a lot of that. Like, oh, now I get the next. I see this in such a different way. Like, that's a huge eye opener. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and then when I was there, there was this larger conversation about progress and progress being done mm -hmm. to people versus being done with people. And so there was oh, some interesting. Right. So there was like some state takeover conversations that were happening, different school districts that were in the process of potentially being taken over by the state, either for academic reasons or for financial reasons. And then those larger stakeholder conversations with teachers and principals and community members and students that were heart wrenching and tough. And and then you I got a chance to be, you know, in some ways behind the scenes after those sorts of meetings where folks were talking about how they were synthesizing that information and people from the State Department, from the Department of Education and and others. And I got to see that people really do care 
about their local community and care about uh, the progress of education generally, even if political backgrounds may be different. It's a matter of how we go about it that makes all the difference in the world. Um, how we go about it is the difference between uh, a community feeling like they're they're they have ownership of the progress and they're leading that work and capacity is being built versus feeling like someone's just coming in from yeah. the top approach and, and trying to do do progress to them, which obviously is not going to go very well. Especially if you get one of these kind of grants that you got, that is a whole team effort, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's all of us collaborate <laughs> on, on the individual plan. So each, each campus, we applied for this a year ago and, and got the grant. Yeah. In um, we got the award notification in uh, October, and it's been a process ever since. So be- mm. before before we even applied for the grant, we had individual campuses meet to come up with their plan for uh, thematic elements and specialized programming they would like to see on their campus. So each campus has their specialized theme that they help to create. Now, now it is time over the next five six years to make that come to life. Right. And so it's going to take right. an, entire, an entire team effort, people across the district to, to make that uh, come to life and community partners. So, you know, churches, businesses, nonprofits, um, civic organizations, all coming together and working together to, to uh, see the progress we want to see. It's not just one person. It's the whole, the whole community. You know, that alone, knowing that you have the grant and the funding is there, has got to be an attraction to your community partners and the nonprofits going, oh, they're not just talking about it. You got it. And now we can contribute additional resources to make that difference, which makes the economic investment, what, double, quadruple, depending on what happens, right? No, that's exactly right. And, and we're even looking forward in the future for- That's pretty uh, amazing. Yeah. 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 And we're, we're looking at a potential millage increase as well for uh, building upgrades. Certain buildings need to be upgraded and and looking at um, employee compensation to be uh, not just generally competitive, but to be one of the best in the Arclitex region so that we can attract and, and compensate in a way that is, you know, best of the best. And that's what that's what we want. I mean, we want folks who are highly qualified and effective to be in front of our kids every single day. And uh, we have teachers and administrators all across our district who are the best of the best. And we want to be able to compensate them at that at that level as well. And I've talked about that a lot. What you're talking about compensation for teachers that, you know, teaching and education can feel like a calling, but it's a career. We want to get paid for it. Right. I mean, it's important. And I think. You said, you know, with the the community and the grant and everything that you're putting in place, it is an attractive place where people want to come. Right. right. And that's part of that five-year strategic plan is to tackle every area of investment, whether that's from a a compensation standpoint, from a student experience standpoint. Um, We even have a program where students are in high school and also are employed uh, some in high skill jobs, higher skill jobs, some not so much, but they're learning employability skills and connecting with employers in our community so that they're ready for that next step when they graduate. So we have about 30, a graduating class for us has somewhere around 160 kids. We have, I think, around 40 yeah. We have around 40 students this year who are in full-time internships uh, with an internship class component where they're learning employability skills day in and day out. So we're we're really proud of those efforts. We started that last year and we're just going to continue that to make that the 
the rule and not the exception to the rule. Like the profile of a college, of a high school graduate for us is very important, and we're we've backwards planned um, what we want to see grade level after grade level so that we can get to that end goal. Mm. So when they're senior and they're going in, they're already ready for it. It's not like they're discovering. That's right. For the first time. That's right. I love that. That's yeah. So they either have so they either have the degrees, like the associate's degree or the or the skilled trade certification. And so on paper, they're ready to go to the next phase, whether it's a four-year university or college or um, or the workforce. And they also have the connection with the employers that we're building in with our high school experience as well. So we had a a few students who are graduating this year who are going to have an associate's degree who are, you know, 25, 30 hour a week interns with um, a a medical company that we have here in town who, when they graduate, they have options. So they could take a year and and build their uh, resume out working with that company who's a, who's a, a great company who's local, who's really around our region, a lot of room for growth in that company, or they go straight into a four-year university and come back and, and, um, and, and have a wonderful job right here in Hope. So we, we want to be able to sell to economic development the fact that they're recruiting businesses to come into Hope that we have graduates, we have a skilled labor force that will be ready. So we, we think that, um, the public education system is such a vital part of that that sometimes gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Just been blessed that the Economic Development Commission and the Chamber of Commerce both have really wrapped their arms around us as a school district and worked hand hand in hand with us. That's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like your board is hard at work on those relationships and you making sure that you are truly connected as a community. Right. And that's, I mean, we're too small not to be. I mean, we have 10,000 folks in our community. <laughs> and, and if we're not doing that, then we're missing the mark. I grew up in a town with 10,000 people up in the Northeast, right? So I, little, little Connecticut, middle of nowhere, right? But it was like that. Like you said, there were people that were engaged. You knew, and the, and the care was incredible, Um of the, for the community and the love of, of the kids. Like you could see it and everybody, like people loved having the kids around. It was all for that to make that future possible. And when I was looking through, I think it was like Southwest Arkansas news or Swark news. I don't know sure. if that's what, what it's called, but so many cool things going on. Like the, the um, Hope Collegiate Academy graduates from last year, the nice little picture. Um, your current third grader, who's like state Texas champion on the beam, your boys and girls soccer team, the three hope collegiate Academy grads who got the top 10 ranking in robotics, you know, and then the chancellor from UA shows up. I mean, that's fantastic. So many cool things going on. And, and just like, and in public education, many times the negative narratives can outweigh the positive or the public perception feel like the negative things are outweighing the positive. Part of our um, charge, I think, with all of the wonderful things we have going is to be unrelentingly positive about the progress that we've made. Because if we don't tell our story and control that narrative of where we're going and and how proud we are of our students and our employees that we're trying to to get there, then someone else will tell that story for us. And that can be that can be tiring. I mean, that is an unrelenting task that we are charged with. (laughs) That's true. 
we don't know you know and again I, I know this is kind of a theme it's we true. don't always we don't always hit it you know right. head on sometimes we miss it um but that's when we have to just refocus and realize that folks are paying attention folks are watching you know we had some positions that, that opened up here recently and we had folks uh, I think because of things that we're putting into place this year and for next year and in the future, many employees from other districts around us, uh, even in other states, have applied, citing some of the things that we're doing and seeing the positive publicity that we're putting out and uh, the awards that our students are receiving. And that just that feels good. Right. It, it feels like progress. It feels like what's oh, going yeah. on, you know, four walls is being noticed outside of uh, our school district and even outside of our community. So I'm very proud of our, our school community and, and love being a Hope Bobcat. Yeah. Oh, I like spreading the hope and people are seeing it. I, it, oh yeah. There's something like said, that sounds kind of kitschy, but it's true. I mean, you can't right. help it that way. <laughs> right. The, the word play is there. You have the career, you have the college. Yeah. What were you saying? <laughs> I said the, the word play with hope is there every day of the week. You can spend that, you know, all day, all day. For sure. That's true. That's so true when it comes down to it, when you start doing that. You know, I, I just loved reading through, again, all the different things you've been a part of and your success because I am I'm like you. If we don't promote and talk about it, no one else will. And why let the narrative be stolen? with what isn't happening versus what is, because there are more things that are happening that are positive than negative. And that's a fact. I mean, most people are good. I'd say 98% of the people in the world are fantastic individuals who want to do good, but right. they don't get the press. 98% don't get the press. It's the negative stuff that gets the press. And that's why we do this podcast to spread the good word about what's happening, hope and, and all the cool stuff. And I, I know I'm on this little bit of tangent, but Reading about hope, and I mentioned earlier, and the people who've come out of there and the things that they've done to truly impact society really shows that place to be something where people make a difference and want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's embedded. That's embedded into the, the very uh, fabric of the DNA of this place. And so we're providing opportunities for our students to connect with this greater idea of civic engagement. And then we have, you know, city council and other civic organizations that are very excited about where we're going and want to interact with students. For for me and for us, it's about finding ways to have community members mentor, mentor students and be invested in students and be consistent with that. Um, because for me, so educational equity is kind of my true north, right? Making sure all students have access to yeah. education. And we as a society That's have right. not done that, right? So public education as a rule provides education to all students, right? right. No matter your background, whoever you are, you get uh, an education. That's right. um, however, we don't always provide equitable resources and equitable outcomes for students across socioeconomic backgrounds and levels. And, and that that's where I feel my calling is as, a, as an administrator, as an educator, as a man, uh, is to really be in those spaces where we can make a difference around uh, equitable outcomes. And hope, although there's that excellence, that history of excellence there, there are areas that we could grow just like any community around making sure that right. all students receive the education that, that they should. And so every decision that we make uh, has to be uh, examined with that lens. And I think when we're doing that and being the best versions of ourselves, we're seeing progress 
that feels right for the community. And that, and that brings people together. When, when, when yeah. what's the phrase? I'm sure you know it. Uh, rising tide lift all lifts all ships. That's kind of where yep. we are, right? When, when all students are more yep. and have better access, our community overall will be set up better for the long haul. That's true, because then people expect it of the, of each other, and they kind of see what's happening, and they go, "Oh, all right, this is a big deal," you know. And I know in Southwest Arkansas, you know. You deal with poverty, you deal with, you know, people trying to make a living and in that area, I mean, with changes in economy, everything changes. And I know that uh, those areas have an impact. And, you know, when you look at the service and that grant of what it can do to lift the community up, I just love that that's in there to make that kind of difference. Yeah. And in addition to that, I mean, we, we're also aware that the connection with home to school early on and early literacy is so important to change outcomes. So yeah. part of that is part of that vision is to have a connection with every child that is born in our county in the future. So literally a child will be born. They'll have a hope representative who will have connection with them, resources provided to them, resources provided to the parents for parent training, getting their child ready for pre-K and uh, access to books, educate uh, access to educational materials um, early on. And then through that process, um, being on, on grade level reading by the end of first grade. So as we do that uh, in the first six years of a child, mm. six to seven years of a child's life, we believe that will provide uh, outstanding benefits, you know, return on investment uh, over the course of, of the next five to six years. Because the research is out on pre-K or high quality pre-K. Yep. For every one dollar that's invested in high quality pre-K, I think it's a seven dollar and maybe be even higher now with a seven dollar return on investment over a child's educational career. So instead of always mitigating on the back end, why don't we do something on the front end to invest? And and uh, that's that's the angle that we're taking. In addition to the back end investments with the grant, yeah. we're also making those front end investments um, so that uh, kids don't get behind in the future. I like that. I like that a lot. You're 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 absolutely right with the research that shows it and that continuity is what I think everyone wants to see next is, okay, we do the initial, what about every grade level? So the next grade level is just as fantastic for them and they're never behind, you know, and then all the other support services that are needed with social, emotional health and, you know, disability services and special ed and community partnerships and supporting the foster youth and the migrant workers. I mean, you name it, it's there when all that is in place. Yeah. And we don't want kids to hit the teacher lottery or have to hit the teacher lottery. Right. Or the school. lottery. Right. No. So I hope I get the, I hope I get the teacher that's going to teach me this year. Like we just, we, I think that's offensive, you know, just on face. So we have to build capacity in our teacher, every teacher across our district. Um, so that they can support every student inside our system, because I mean, we've all experienced something similar to that, like grade level. I remember, I remember who my rock star teachers were that really helped me progress, and I remember the ones that yeah. I wish I really just wish to goodness I wouldn't have had their class. Um, and and we we all have those experiences, and as parents, we have those experiences looking at students. Yeah, um, who we wish yes. had a better reality, and we advocate. Right, I know. Uh, employees of mine who've sat in my yeah. office and even advocated for their child to have certain teachers. And, and, and obviously we don't accommodate to that. We, we listen and talk about that, but 
all all <laughs> teachers should be high quality. All students should walk into a classroom and have high quality teachers because it's just too dang important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you said something interesting about, you know, the teacher selection process and all that, you know, I've had five kids go through school and each one likes teachers for different reasons and sure. learns different things from different people. And, and even, I mean, even as much as a nonprofit college going organization that we are, that's our thrust, right? We know how people think and choose a college. Well, my friend's going there and you're like, Oh boy, this is not expanding yeah. your horizons, but that's That's people's nature. It's what they do. Right. And, I just love that you're in there talking about it, engaging it. And, you know, like you said, the equity piece, uh, I think I heard one of a, a vice president I worked for at California state university, Monterey, they say, you know, we show people the door, but it's really helping them through it into the other side, all the way through that makes a difference. It's not just about showing them the door. And that's what you're talking about. We're mm-hmm. not just opening a door to say, come on in. We're going to go to you and carry you through and help you through all of it to the end. And when you're a yeah. senior, you get those, you know, those 40, 50 students are doing internships for 25 or 30 hours a week. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in some some folks call that the two and through model. And that's what we are trying to do. Right. I mean, honestly, it's the two and, two and through. through I like that. So do you have you heard of David Kerp? You know, who that is the author. No, I don't. Who's that? So he, Tell me. Oh, so yeah. So this, I, I found this his research and, and one of his books. I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, maybe eight years ago now, but it truly transformed some of the ways that I viewed education. So I think it's called um, Kids First is the book title. And then I think the subheading Mm. is the five five ideas that are transforming or can transform education. And no lie, I've looked at my journey in the last seven, eight years since I've read that book and Things that that I've invested in personally in my career and and help the organizations that I lead lean into those are transformational ideas. So I think mentorship is a part of that. Having high quality pre K and early literacy programs is part of that. Having a nest egg is part of that. Having vertical alignment inside of your school system is a part of that. So how how the mm-hmm. as much as we would like to think that education or public education or schools in general are separate and apart from communities. We can't. So in, in, in all ways, I would imagine there are microcosms yeah, no. that you're no in. And so whether there are students bringing baggage through the doors or adults bringing baggage through the doors or negative political perceptions <laughs> or whatever the case may be, we have to, as educational leaders, as educators, we deal with that day in and day out. And so when, when yeah. we don't account for the things that kids actually need, um, then I think we fail. So your students, your actual, your actual kids, right? You would hope that they would have a nest egg, whether it's you providing it for them or them providing it for themselves. Yeah. In, in many cases, we have students who will not have access to that sort of a nest egg. They're one, there's one, they're one car wreck or one, um, you know, emergency away from being bankrupt. And, and, and yeah. that's, I have fam- have had family members and, and close friends who have been in those similar situations. And it's like the yeah. higher we get up in the educa- education sphere, we lose that sort of empathy or context. So how we provide for our students, right. definitely the K-12 system with high quality teachers and teaching students how to read, which is a civil right in my mind, making sure that we're doing that at a high level. It's also providing those things to fill the gaps from an equity standpoint that the students may not have access to. 
like mental health, mm-hmm. like resources in some ways. And, and in the, in the past, I haven't done this in some, a few years now, but assisting parents with records expungement. There are, th- there are certain That's things that true because it's really hard for, for, you know, folks to get a job if they have a, a, a felony on their record or misdemeanor on their record in some ways and great people, you know, would be great employees, but some employers look the other way. Well, you know, that, that is probably a little bit above and beyond, but we have to change the expectation in our K-12 public system if we want to get the, uh, the benefit that we, that we say we do. So. You're right. I mean, if, if our systems, even incarceration or whatever we call it, our justice system is about rehabilitation do your time you're out then we have to have places to fix those things to give people opportunity it's not about staying stuck no matter how we slice it i i love that i love that your um your parents and students your teachers get to hear you talk like that all the time too it encourages me right now to hear this i'm like i love this stuff because it it is a message we have to talk about we have to keep sharing day in and day out with almost everyone you see and just be that positive force. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. And, and something that I've found, there are plenty of people in this space that are doing it well, doing it much better than I'm doing it, mm-hmm. but it can get tiring, right? And so I think there's a fatigue <laughs> yes. that happens there. And, and the more folks yeah. that are like-minded in that space who are speaking to one another and acknowledging the hardships and acknowledging that vulnerability and spurring each other on, I think the better off that will be because you're because right. You're right. I mean, when I hear people talk to me and they're speaking this kind of language and they're doing wonderful things that I've never even thought of, it, it encourages me. It energizes me to, to keep, to keep the course. But you know, there are folks out there who yeah. see, see the world as it is, see the negativity, see the realism of everything. And they'll say, well, that's, that's not going to do any good or, or yeah, but I see what you're trying to do. However, have you thought about this? And, and having a negative spin on it, we have to circle around each other for the good of our, our students and for the good of our future. Yeah. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Right. I mean, just right. as a society, because yep. every student is going through K-12 system. Um, it is more complex now than ever before. The things that students are exposed to at a younger and younger age. Yes. Yes. I never even had a war. And I'm, I'm relatively young as a superintendent. I've never had to, didn't have to worry about those things as a student. So we have to be astute enough to reach, to reach out to folks and realize we don't have all the answers um, and pick each other up when we fall down, because it's, yeah. you know, there's like, a, there's a many trauma fatigue and decision fatigue. Yes. All the time. <clears throat> we are constantly yeah. around inequity or constantly around injustice. It'll cut you up. It'll bruise you up. It'll make you tired. And so instead of crippling our efforts, we need to wear it as a badge and find other folks in the space who can help us and spur us on. And um, and that's what I want to be as I go forward in my future. I hope anybody that watches this who's in the equity space or in the K-12 leadership space will, will see that's that. Right. I mean, I acknowledge it's really hard and I fail a lot, but yeah. um, we can do it together, but we have to do it together and not separate there's more that unite that unites us than divides us you know i feel like this has just been so helpful for me because not only do you have the positive mindset and the community building ideal and how you would value yourself in the midst of everything but you know you have the research behind your grant you have these programs in place and you 
you know, you're putting your money where your mouth is, for lack of a better term, right? To to put these things in place with that kind of foundation you've built to get yourself here. And it takes a ton of work to get there. And I, uh, like I said, that's what got me excited about reading through everything you've done. I was like, wow, this has been a journey to get here. And that journey really helps you be who you are. And, and the fact that you're listening to everyone around you and engaging, I mean, it's just so highly commendable. And I, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. The time's gone by like that, hasn't it? As oh, far yeah. as recording, it's like, boom. <laughs> it has. Well, I just appreciate you uh, being willing to set up a, a call and set up a Zoom um, for today. It's been a pleasure. I think what you're doing and expanding um, the reality of, of education and leaders in the space is commendable. And I've seen some of the other interviews that you've done, especially with some of my colleagues in Arkansas. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for caring about uh, education, not just in your local context, but across the country. And again, you're, you're part of this larger conversation too. What we do together matters. So thank you for elevating the voice of those in the trenches. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Hey, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll, we'll have to have you on again soon. Talk about that grant, how it's coming. I think that'll be I'd love to. You just let me know. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.